New Mexico's poking the tiger, and it's not turning out too well for them. Oklahoma hires a rather mm, interesting school principal. <laughs> you won't believe this one. And the JFK assassination is back in the news. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Monday. Oh, man. It is Monday. Yeah, we are in the live chat. So uh, if you want to put something in there, you want to say hi or uh, talk about something, promote something, whatever it might be, I don't care. Just stick it in the live chat. We'll uh, we'll talk with you. Love to hear from you. It's great to interact with our audience out there. And of course, please don't forget that right over here is a follow button. We are at 100 followers, and that's fantastic. We got to get up over 500 or 1,000 or 10,000. Let's get us there. Just click that follow button. It's it's free for you, costs you absolutely nothing, and it really does <clears throat> help the show out a lot. We appreciate that. All right, let's get right off uh, here with um, one of our sponsors. We we'll just take 60 seconds if you grant us a little bit of your patience. Blackout Coffee. Well, I talk about these guys all the time because they are amazing. Blackout Coffee was founded on the principles of conservative values. The founders believe in the importance of hard work, personal responsibility family, respect, traditional American values. The best small batch fresh roasted coffee you will find. It is all done in-house. <clears throat> they source premium specialty green coffee beans uh, grown at the perfect altitude, correct time of year, best soil, and harvested at just the right time. They work with local co-ops and American farmers telling you this is an all-american company and uh, they have this high quality coffee and a strict adherence to their small batch roasting which means it isn't a whole you know megatons worth of beans all stuffed in a giant batch it's a small batch roasting when you order they will roast the beans uh, usually within 24 to 48 hours it's roasted and shipped to your door so you'll get it in, you know, another couple of days after that from the time they ship it. That is some fresh roasted coffee. The only way you get it fresher is to roast them yourself. And obviously, that's not something you want to do. Uh, and also, you know, when you buy that crap coffee on the store shelves, who knows when it was roasted? A month ago? A year ago? No way to tell. This company, you know, fresh roasted. And I'm telling you, folks... I am a coffee addict. I drink coffee all day and all night. In fact, it's always right here with me in my uh, in my show mug. Mm -hmm. That's blackout coffee, and that is amazing. It gets you up in the morning, keeps you going throughout the day, and it truly is an amazing. You know, it's one thing to be all American and yay pro America, yay rah rah, but if you don't make a good product, it doesn't matter. These folks make an incredible product. Uh, so do check it out. Use the link in our show notes for a special deal. And when you go to checkout, after you've placed your order, use the promo code J20, J-A-Y-20, and that will get you 20% off your first order. 20% off your first order with the promo code J20. All right. Thank you, Blackout Coffee, for sponsoring the show. We are very, very proud to have you guys as uh, part of the team here at uh, the Jay Sheldon Show. Seriously. Mm. All right, New Mexico, eh, 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 you morons. 
New Mexico governor, you you have to have heard of this story. I'm sure it's been all you can't turn on a news channel anywhere uh, online or, or otherwise that this story is not out there. Now, the left media is not carrying it, carrying and covering it much, of course. But New Mexico governor facing a recall for a call for impeachment after she has banned concealed carry. <laughs> Michelle Lujan Grissom, facing growing backlash, including a call for her impeachment, good, following her executive order banning concealed carry for self-defense in cities like Albuquerque. The governor's order took effect September 8th, last 30 days, after which Grissom made clear she will revisit the issue and may possibly extend the ban. Uh, the ban opens, uh, bans open and concealed carry even for licensed concealed carriers. To criticize the level of gun violence in Albuquerque, particularly referencing the death of children. She didn't say that licensed concealed carriers who carry for self-defense have caused those deaths. John Block, New Mexico State Rep, responded, calling for the governor's impeachment. Impeach and remove Lujan Grissom. We even have Elon behind us on this. The Benalillo County Sheriff John Allen responded by making it clear that uh, he has reservations about enforcing it and believes it violates the Constitution. Duh, well, of course it does. Shall not be infringed is pretty clear, pretty clear. This is Amy Swearer. This is completely unconstitutional. It is also just logically nuts. Concealed carry permit holders are not the ones driving gun crimes. And now you're telling actual criminals they've got free reign because their victims can't be armed. Unbelievable. Albuquerque police chief responded to the governor's order by making clear he will not enforce it. Good on you. Wow. So there you go. It's it's exploding all over. And I'm sure that, uh, I, you know, I was going to say I'm sure she had no idea this might happen. But I mean, come on. You gotta know when you're gonna, you know, basically deny an inalienable human right, according to the Constitution, you just might poke a few tigers. Gun owners are also beside themselves in New Mexico. We will not comply. Gun owners publicly defying the New Mexico governor's suspension of open and concealed carried rights, and they have filed lawsuits. Uh, staged a defiant protest. On Sunday afternoon, dozens of gun rights activists gathered in Old Town Albuquerque to voice their displeasure with Governor Grissom's 30-day suspension of open and concealed carry laws that went into effect in the city of Albuquerque and Bernalillo County. Most of the protesters openly displayed their firearms in a deliberate defiance of Governor uh, Grissom's decree. 
Protesters proudly displayed American, Gazden, and come-and-take-it flags. Man holding a sign addressed to Grissom that read, Our founding fathers warned us about you. Woman holding a sign stating, Gun rights are women's rights. This will not stand. We will not comply. Woman identifying as an indigenous person told the crowd, crowd uh, The law does not protect us. Another woman said, this is a great quote, our rights come from God and our privileges come from the government. They're fighting back, taking little and big bites, and that's a good thing because it just isn't going to get better until you folks stand up and say, enough, no more will not comply, not going to do it. And people are doing it. And you know, I have seen the idea posted, raised, that this is a test market. New Mexico, kind of a nothing state. It's blue, but, you know, it's like, eh, New Mexico. Who the hell cares? Unless you live there. Beautiful state, by the way. Absolutely beautiful state. But um, her doing this People have said this is a test to see what the reaction will be. Now, fortunately, the reaction is exactly what you'd expect it to be. They're telling her to go screw off. But I don't, I can't say I necessarily disagree with the idea that, you know, hey, let's run this up the flagpole in New Mexico. See what, see what happens. So when we start doing it in other states, we'll better know what to expect. Get ready. The police state is not coming. The police state is here. We are living in it, my friends. Scary times. From Breitbart, there is an elementary school in Oklahoma who hired a new principal. Now, you know, the principal of a school, kind of a headmaster, the person that you look up to and who runs the operation, responsible for all aspects of the school. So you would certainly want that person to be someone that you could put your trust in, someone that you would stand behind, someone, someone uh, like this. Yeah, maybe not. That, believe it or not, is the new principal at an Oklahoma elementary school. <laughs> A superintendent of the Oklahoma school district calling for the immediate termination of a recently hired elementary school principal who performs as a drag queen and has faced child pornography charges in the past. Dr. Shane Mernon, 52, who performs as Chantel Mandale at a venue called The Boom, hosting Thirsty Thursday and Sunday Night Karaoke. He takes part in Drag Queen Story Hour with children. And he has now been named the new principal of the John Glenn Elementary. Ryan Waters, school district superintendent, said this is a move to indoctrinate children with harmful Marxist ideologies and a way to pit children against their parents. 
It's all about the children. If they can get the children, they got us. It's all about the children. I posted that quote from Orwell's 1984, and man, did he get it right. It's all about the children. Leave our damn kids alone. I've said it from the very beginning. I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care what you dress up as. I don't care who you entertain. But leave the damn kids out of it. I hear from parents every day. They're concerned with this woke left indoctrination of schools. The gender theory that continues to be thrust upon our kids, Walters told Fox Digital. It is completely inappropriate. Child porn charges brought against Murnham were dropped more than 20 years ago during a preliminary hearing when it could not be confirmed if the photos on his electronic devices depicted minors. Western Heights Public Schools acknowledged Murnham's past charges but praises him for his understanding reputation in the education field. In a world of drag queen performances, Mernon boasts the titles of Miss Gay Oklahoma America, Miss Gay Oklahoma USA. In June, Mernon did a story hour at the Metropolitan Library System. I don't care that you do what you want, but keep your hands off our kids. And putting this guy in position as a principal at an elementary school? No. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope, that ain't gonna work for me. Come on, Oklahoma. Fight back. Call your reps. It's getting worse in our schools, too. You remember what... I know I do. Maybe I'm just too old, but when we were kids... We used to play cowboy and Indian, cops and robbers. And, you know, any stick you picked up off the side of the woods would be a gun. Or if you didn't have a gun, this was your gun. Pow, 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 pow. Look, I got two. Tell me you didn't do that. Of course you did that. Now get this. A school has suspended a first grader. A first grader. What does that mean there, Six, maybe seven, for pretending their fingers were a gun during a game of cops and robbers. Pew, pew. They suspended the kid. Unbelievable. A school in Alabama suspended a first grader for pretending his fingers were a gun during a game of cops and robbers with another student. Jared Belcher said his six-year-old son was suspended from Bagley Elementary in Jefferson County, Alabama. The first grade student was reportedly suspended for using his index finger as a gun while playing a game of cops and robbers with another boy at school. He said he was called by the school admin instructed to remove his young son from school for the alleged infraction. Belcher said, I asked her, I said, well, did he threaten anyone? No. Was there violence? No. Was there any indication of a current or future threat? No. I said, well, this kind of seems benign to me. Sounds like two students playing. She said, it was, but in this climate, 
And this day and age, we have to take all incidents very seriously. The school claimed the boy committed a 3.22 threat violation, making a threat or intimidation of another student. Potential violations include a threat to do serious bodily harm or violence to another student, or by word or act, cyberbullying or intimidation that may induce fear into another. The other boy playing cops and robbers was also suspended because he probably had a gun too. It's going to stay on the kid's record. It's been downgraded, the type of violation, but this is now on this kid's permanent record, permanent school record. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are we going here? Oh, we'll go to the post millennial. Mm. Faking data. It's probably data you've read before. There is a renowned criminology professor. This guy has been quoted and his studies have been used to uh, all kinds of reports. Well, apparently he proved systematic racism. And now this renowned criminology professor has been fired. Why? Faking data and all of his studies have been retracted. There's the faker right there. This from the post-millennial. This guy who supposedly proved that racism is systematic in American law enforcement, American society, has now been fired for faking data and his studies have all been retracted. 51 years old, Eric Stewart, former criminology professor at Florida State University, Tallahassee, is now out of work because of extreme negligence in his research. Stewart and his work were cited over 8,500 times by researchers. See, that's what I'm saying. They cite this guy's work. Now, out of a job. Extreme negligence and incompetence. Wow. July 13th letter that informed Stewart of his uh, termination. The details of problematic data management, false results, and the numerous publication retractions have negatively affected the discipline on a national level. Wow. So, Stewart's studies claimed whites wanted longer sentences for Latinos and blacks. Not true. Stated that the work the effect will be greater among whites where socioeconomic disadvantage and political conservatism are greater. All of these studies, all of this work this guy has done, now completely retracted because his data was faked. And how many times, how many articles, how many, you know, how many times is this guy's data and research quoted as the truth? when it was completely not the truth. Keep doing it, keep going. 
Okay. Hey, don't forget our live chat. We're here. We're watching it. If you want to put something in there, feel free. Love to hear from you. And don't forget to hit that follow button. It's right there. It's easy. It's cheap. Costs you nothing. It's free. And it really helps the show out a lot. Thank you for doing that. Hit that follow button. All right. Um, this, by the way, I didn't want the day to pass. It is uh, September 11th. And this is the 22nd anniversary of uh, the attack on the Twin Towers and Building 7 in New York. Um, General Flynn posted this on his X account just a little while ago. And I wanted to quote him because what he wrote is very nicely said. There are times for silent remembrance of those tragically murdered during the attacks against our nation on 9-11, and we must never forget. But once you've had your moment to say a silent prayer, I want you to stand up and then be silent no more. Our country is once again under attack. This time it is from a far more insidious enemy. This enemy operates inside of the very institutions of power that are supposed to defend and protect the safety and security of every American. Be silent no more. That from uh, General Flynn. Well said. All right. Um, yes, I know I said I was going to do a 9-11 show, but that was just a couple days ago. And there was no way with the huge amount of data and information I could possibly have put it together in time for the day, actually, today. But we will do that show. It doesn't matter when we do it as long as we do it. So we'll have a show on 9-11. And uh, I'll put my conspiracy theory tinfoil hat squarely on top of my head, and off we will go to the races. Agree with us or not, we'll do that show a whole hour's worth of nothing but uh, things that make you go, hmm, about 9-11. All right, things that make you go, hmm, about the Kennedy assassination. Yes, it's still out there. It's still in the news. And a former, this just broke, a former Secret Service agent who witnessed the JFK assassination has raised questions about the magic bullet theory. Former Secret Service agent just feet away when Kennedy was assassinated almost 60 years ago, recently broke his silence surrounding the magic bullet theory and raised questions of a possible second, if not more than two shooters. Paul Landis, who at the time was a very young Secret Service federal agent, told the New York Times he'd been assigned to protect First Lady Jackie Kennedy as the president's motorcade strolled through Dealey Plaza in downtown Dallas. Uh, Landis recalled dodging Kennedy's flesh and brain matter after the final gunshot of three bullets fatally pierced through the back of Kennedy's exit, uh, Kennedy and exited out of his throat, then hit the shoulder and wounded the back, chest, wrist, and thigh of then-Governor John Connolly Jr., Landis said he found the 6.5 millimeter bullet fired from a C-2766 Manlicher Carcano rifle lodged in the back seat of the president's limousine where Kennedy had been sitting at the time of his death, placed it on the president's hospital stretcher for investigators. But that timeline of events is very different 
from what the U.S. investigators officially reported in the absolute bullshit Warren report. There was nobody there to secure the scene. And that was a big, big bother to me, Landis said. All the agents that were there were only focused on the president. It was all going on so quickly, and I was just afraid that it was a piece of evidence that I realized right away, very important. I didn't want it to disappear or get lost. So it was, Paul, you've got to make a decision, and I grabbed it. According to the commission report, authorities concluded the magic bullet was shot by uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and found on Governor Conley's stretcher after it fell from his thigh, this bullet in virtually pristine condition. Landis, never interviewed by the Warren Commission, said the bullet possibly moved from the president's stretcher, which is where he put it, to the governor's stretcher when those stretchers were side by side. Although the report ruled out the possibility that the bullet came from Kennedy's stretcher. He says he also believes that bullet popped out of Kennedy's body before authorities removed the president from his limousine. Six decades after the assassination, Landis had believed that Oswald was the only gunman on the scene, but now he's beginning to doubt himself. Now I begin to wonder. His account reportedly included in a forthcoming memoir called The Final Witness. This goes on and covers a little more in depth of exactly what this guy is talking about. It is a fascinating article. The link is in our show notes, and I very much encourage you to check it out, read it, find out more about it, and don't give up hope that one day we will know the truth about exactly what happened. Almost 60 years now. All right. Climate change whack-a-whack-a-doos are back in the news. <laughs> these people think they are so entitled. This hoax climate change crap and these whack-job nutballs who are trying to, uh, trying to make a name for themselves. Well, you know, they do these insane, ridiculous things. One of them has now glued himself to the floor. And guess what? He's being put in the psych ward, and he's complaining about it. This is from PJ Media. Climate protester who glued his feet to the floor complains about being put in the psych ward. There he is. Right there. He glued his feet to the floor. You belong in the psych ward, pal. Maybe permanently. This was at the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, disrupting the women's semifinal match almost an hour. Now he's uh, taking, talking to the press about what he thinks was an attempt to silence him. <laughs> what is this guy's name? Are you kidding me? Shayak Mukhopadhyay and three other climate activists stood up and began to chant, end fossil fuels now, shortly after the second set began. As event security moved in, it became apparent that he had glued his feet to the concrete floor. His companions were led away, but obviously 
His feet were glued to the floor. So it took uh, medical personnel about 50 minutes to get his feet unglued so he could be taken into custody. Here, take a look at this. And appropriately enough, the crowd is booing the hell out of this guy. Anyway, so now he's complaining because they've put him in the psych ward. You know what, pal? Like I said, I think that's probably exactly where you need to be. Because you got some mental problems. All right. Uh, one more little lighthearted thing before we move on to our book. And it's beautiful. Now, I saw a... Uh, you know they have these... Uh, reader things where people add data and somebody said that um, that the video appears to be digitally altered okay maybe but the effect is true and it actually does happen and this is absolutely beautiful I don't think we need there's no real sound here it's just ambient sound but check this out take a look at this look at that this is done with water jets. Again, if you're listening on the podcast on Spotify or uh, iTunes, sorry, check out the video on rumble.com slash the Jay Sheldon show. But look at that. How cool is that? It's beautiful. You've got jets spraying this water up in the air and it hits the sunlight and creates these amazing rainbows. That is cool. <laughs> wow. Nice. I want one of these for my car. <laughs> All right. Cool beans. There you go. Are you ready? I am. From way back, 446 shows ago, I know, uh, we started reading books because I am a big advocate of reading. I'm trying to encourage you to pick up a book and read. Read to your kids. Get your kids to read. If you can, get them off those Kindles and reading on their electronic devices. Put an actual book in their hands. If you can't, fine. Reading is reading. And you know what? Studies have shown that even if you read to your kids, it has the same effect as your kids reading. It really does. So whatever way it happens... Read, 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 and read some more. Mostly what we did in the beginning was children's classical literature, uh, Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, White Fang. And then uh, a viewer suggested we do 1984 from George Orwell, which was a brilliant suggestion. We took him up on it. And in fact, we read all of 1984. And now we have stuck with George Orwell because we love his writing. And we've moved on to Animal Farm. We are all the way up to Chapter 8 on Animal Farm. And so, uh, without further ado, we'll remind you just quickly to hit that over there. Hit that uh, follow button and uh, check out all of our sponsors. They're all in our show notes. You can get some great deals, including Blackout Coffee, NordVPN, uh, BarkBox, and all those great places. All right. Thank you so much for all those of you who do that. And right now, let's move on in the middle of Chapter 8 of George Orwell's Animal Farm. At about the same time, 
It was given out that Napoleon had arranged to sell the pile of timber to Mr. Pinkington, who was also going to enter into a regular agreement for the exchange of certain products between Animal Farm and Foxwood. Now, the relationship between Napoleon and Pilkington, though they were only conducted through whimper, were now almost friendly. The animals distrusted Pilkington as a human being, but greatly preferred him to Frederick, whom they both feared and hated. As the summer wore on and the windmill neared completion, the rumors of an impending treacherous attack grew stronger and stronger. Frederick, it was said, intended to bring against them twenty men, all armed with guns, and he'd already bribed the magistrates and the police so that if he could once get hold of the title deeds of Animal Farm, they would ask no questions. Moreover, terrible stories were leaking out from the Pinchfield about the cruelties that Frederick practiced upon his animals. He'd flogged an old horse to death, starved his cows, killed a dog by throwing it into the furnace. He amused himself in the evenings by making cockfights with splinters of razor blades tied to their spurs. The animals' blood boiled with rage as they heard of these things being done to their comrades, and sometimes they clamored to be allowed to go out in a body and attack Pinchfield Farm. Drive out the humans. Set the animals free. But Squealer counseled them to avoid rash actions and trust in Comrade Napoleon's strategy. Nevertheless, feeling against Frederick continued to run high. One Sunday morning, Napoleon appeared in the barn and explained that he had never at any time contemplated selling the pile of timber to Frederick. He considered it beneath his dignity, he said, to have dealings with scoundrels of that description. The pigeons, who were still sent out to spread tidings of the rebellion, were forbidden to set foot anywhere on Foxwood, and were also ordered to drop their former slogan of death to humanity in favor of death to Frederick. In the late summer, yet another of Snowball's machinations was laid bare. The wheat crop full of weeds, and it was discovered that on one of his nocturnal visits, Snowball had mixed weed seeds with the seed corn. A gander who had been privy to the plot confessed his guilt to Squealer and immediately committed suicide by swallowing deadly nightshade berries. The animals now also learned that Snowball had never, as many of them had believed hitherto, received the order of Animal Hero First Class. This was merely a legend which had been spread some time after the Battle of the Cowshed by Snowball himself. So far from being decorated, he'd been censured for showing cowardice in the battle. And once again, some of the animals heard this with a certain bewilderment. But... Squealer was soon able to convince them that their memories had been at fault. In the autumn, by a tremendous effort, exhausting, for the harvest had to be gathered at almost the same time, the windmill was finished. 
The machinery had still yet to be installed, and Wimper was negotiating the purchase of it, but the structure was completed. In the teeth of every difficulty, in spite of inexperience of primitive implements and bad luck of Snowball's treachery, the work had been finished punctually to the very day. Tired, tired out but proud, the animals walked round and round their masterpiece, which appeared even more beautiful in their eyes than when it had been built the first time. Moreover, the walls were twice as thick as before. Nothing short of explosives would lay them low this time. And when they thought of how they'd labored, what discouragements they'd overcome, and the enormous difference it would be make in their lives when the sails were turning and the dynamos running, when they thought of all this, their tiredness forsook them, and they gambled around and round the windmill, uttering cries of triumph. Napoleon himself, attended by his dogs and his cockerel, came down to inspect the completed work. He personally congratulated the animals on their achievement and announced the mill would be named Napoleon Mill. Well, two days later, the animals were called together for a special meeting in the barn. They were struck dumb with surprise when Napoleon announced he had sold the pile of timber to Frederick. Tomorrow, Frederick's wagons would arrive and begin carting it away. Throughout the whole period of his seeming friendship with Pilkington, Napoleon had really been in secret agreement with Frederick. All relations with Foxwood had been broken off. Insulting messages had been sent to Pilkington. The pigeons had been told to avoid Pinchfield Farm and to alter their slogan from death to Frederick to death to Pilkington. At the same time, Napoleon assured the animals that the stories of impending attack on Animal Farm were completely untrue and that the tales about Frederick's cruelty to his own animals had been greatly exaggerated. All these rumors had probably originated with Snowball and his agents. It now appeared that Snowball was not, after all, hiding on Pinchfield Farm. And in fact, he'd never been there in his life. He was living in considerable luxury, so it was said, at Foxwood and had, in reality, been a pensioner of Pilkington for the years past. The pigs were in ecstasy over Napoleon's cunning. By seeming to be friendly with Pilkington, he'd forced Frederick to raise his price by 12 pounds. And that's where we will leave it for tonight with George Orwell's Animal Farm. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for popping by. We appreciate it. We'll be here again tomorrow, and uh, hope to see you then. Uh, please don't forget, hit that follow button over there, and uh, it really helps the show out a lot. Thank you. It really does. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will see you again tomorrow. Snort. <laughs>